Well, hello, King Sams. I'm glad you're able to tune in um, today. It's so good um, to have you joining. I don't know about you, but I am really feeling the weather right now. I went for a walk earlier on today and I could feel the cold in my bone. I don't know about you, but it made me miss the, um, the very hot weather we had in what feels like only weeks ago. You know, I think it was in August. I remember being in North Wales on holiday and um, um, when the heat wave came across this part of the country and um, a friend of mine told, sent me a text message and said, this is um, Bedford, it's no longer Bedford. He said Clapham has now been rebranded Costa del Clapham, you know, because it, it was so hot. In fact, I heard the story of a, of, a, of a mother who bought bread from the shops and because it was so hot by the time she got home, it was toast. Um, well, <laughs> that's, that's, that was just a joke there. Um, anyway, the cold season is upon us. Um, it's winter. It's time to wrap up warm. Time to pack, nicely pack uh, the, the sleeveless tops and the flip-flops and the shorts to put them away. The cold weather is upon us. And today I've got two questions for you. Um, the first question is, what season are we in spiritually? And the second question is, what are you doing in response to the season that we're in spiritually? So let me unpack the first question, what season are we in? You know, if we look at it from a physical side of things, we know the seasons change, you know, the weather changes, you know, and we all have to respond, as I was saying a minute ago. But if you're not aware of a change in the weather or the season you're in physically, you won't make the most of that season. And if for anything, you're likely to get into a lot of troubles and a lot of danger. And so going back to North Wales in, um, right now in my shorts and in my sleeveless top and lying by the seaside, I think we all know what the outcome of that will be. And similarly, if um, during the heat wave um, that, um, that came in, in August, if, if I had my winter coat on and my hat on and gloves and sat in front of a big fire, we all know what the outcome of that would be. It is common sense to adapt to the season that we are in so that we can survive and so that we can thrive in that season. Now, if we look at the events happening around us today, you know, in the physical realm, you know, do you wonder what season we're in as we see the disastrous effect of this pandemic in our country and across the world, you know, um, and we're now in another lockdown. As we look at the joblessness, um, the job situation across the country, business is going on the left, right and center. As we see the outcry against racism and racial injustice in many countries of the world today. As we see the increasing conflict in marriages and relationships, the hyper-polarized views um, on the political front. You know, I was told, I read somewhere this week that there's been up to 70,000 deaths from 17 wars that has happened in this year alone. As we withdraw from the EU, you know, the, the stock market is having, <laughs> you know, very volatile performances at the moment. There is the increased speed to find a vaccine uh, to, uh, for, for this virus. In the middle of all of this, have you stopped to ask yourself what is really going on? We know from the Bible in the, in the, in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under 
the heavens. I would argue that to know what season we're in, we need to turn to the one who knows it all. We need to turn to the one who has the ultimate knowledge, the one who is ultimately supreme, the one whose understanding goes beyond what you and I have, the one who sits outside of the realm of time, the one who knows our future before we get there. We need to turn to Father God to know what season we're in. You see, I, I think understanding the voice of God and being able to draw from his endless fountain of wisdom is the best approach, is the best way we can use to navigate the season we're in right now. I say that again, you know, we need to understand the voice of God and draw from his fountains of, of wisdom. That is our best way to navigate through the season we're in right now. So the, I guess the question I'm really asking you this morning is, are you seeking Father God to understand what season we're in and what he is up to in this season? Your choices are to understand what is going on from the media and what the news have to say, or we can also know what um, God is saying about the season we're in. In fact, while I was preparing for this, for this talk, I was glued to the TV watching the, um, the pre US presidential elections, or watching the BBC and the CNN, trying to figure out who was going to be, win, what were the consequences or the impact of one candidate or the next winning. And I was, I was to be honest, beginning to get drawn into some level of anxiety, trying to figure it all out. And, you know, and <laughs> thankfully my wife was kind enough to say, you know, who's view are you resting upon right now? She reminded me of what I've just been preparing, you know, and the question linked to that is, is your view, your current, the current, your view of the current situation shaped by what man has to say alone, or are we turning to Father God to understand what his take is in this time? Each season brings its opportunities, it brings its challenges. We know there have been major innovations and breakthroughs in the medical field that, that has happened despite challenging situations. You know, we know of many revivals that have been birthed during times of incredible challenge and hardship. You know, one such example is, is one of the one we, we talk about here a lot, the Azusa Street Revival, which began in the U.S. Um, in the early 1900s. You know, there was an outpouring of the move of God and many people across the world were led to Jesus. They witnessed mind-blowing healings and miracles and there's so many books written about it. I won't go into any more detail on that. But what you may not know is that William Seymour, William Seymour who pioneered in this revival, was a black man who himself had experienced racism. In fact, we hear stories of when he was in Bible school or on the graduation from Bible school, not being allowed to sit in the same room or same class with his, um, with his white colleagues. You know, the revival happened in the context of heavy racial segregation when lynching was common in the United States. You know, later on in his ministry, uh, Mr. Seymour was constantly under attack on many fronts. But one of the areas he was on uh, attack for was his view and his push and his drive for 
interracial revival and um, revival meetings and worship and leadership teams. You know, we he, they saw God moving unprecedented way despite the challenging times. I was reading the story a few days ago of a lady who came into the meeting, was just filled with the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues, couldn't play any instrument at all, went um, led by the Holy Spirit, sat in front of the piano and started playing the keys and the whole church joined and they had an amazing time with God. You know, incredible response from God in an unprecedented situation. I strongly believe that in the moments we're in right now, they're just way too precious for God to be absent and not to engage with what is happening in our world right now. You know, in my line of work um, in the conduct of clinical trials uh, for new medicines, we, um, we try to understand what is going on around us and try to predict um, a few param uh, parameters to do with a clinical trial, you know, and to do this in, in um, we often look at historical data to help us, you know, in predictive analytics, you gather enough historical data, you deeply assess the data to observe the behavior over time, and then you utilize specific indicators to help you predict what is likely to happen. It's the same principles you and I use in our daily lives. You know, we make a lot of decisions by looking at what has happened in the past. You know, either who you date or get married to, or what types of food you might be allergic to, the best time to catch a train or a bus to get to your destination. We all use historical experiences to help us determine future events. And so... If we're having friends around hours for, for a meal, my wife and I could easily tell those that are going to show up late and those that are going to be early. And please don't ask me to say who. Um, I'll let you figure those out. Anyway, friends, what I'm trying to say this, this day is that the Bible is full of track records, historic and historical data of God's children facing unprecedented situations and what God did about it. And so as we, I encourage us as we read the Bible to, to put on a new lens to look at unprecedented times and how God intervened. We see this in the story of Joseph in the time of seven years of drought, no food around the region he was at, and how God used a foreign ex-prisoner to become a second in command in the leading nation of Egypt and being able to bless the nation and to, and to pro provide food which met the need at the time. In the New Testament, we see another situation where Jesus and his disciples had to feed 5,000 folks in a remote place, you know, where there were no Tesco's or McDonald's around to feed the hungry people, you know, and they were, they were tasked, the disciples were tasked to provide food. And we see how God miraculously um, multiplies five loaves of bread and two fish to feed more than 5,000, and they had leftovers. You know, another example of unprecedented times and God response is um, in Exodus, the famous story of in Exodus uh, 14, when Moses was leading God's people out of slavery in Egypt. You know, he had an army, the Egyptian army advancing behind him. And he had his Israelites in front of him with him and a Red Sea in front of them with no time 
or no means, should I say, of crossing the sea on time before the army got to him, got to them and killed them off. You know, there was panic all around. There was death hanging in the air. No human solution, complaints everywhere. In fact, why don't we just take a look at this? If you've got your Bible, would you look at Exodus um, 14? Uh, we won't have time to read the full chapter in this uh, recording, but um, I would encourage you in your own time to please do read this. I'm going to jump to, um, we're going to jump to verses 11 and read from there. Then there the Israelites said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry land. Jump to verse 19. I love this bit. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of, the, um, in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved in front, of, in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry ground, dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Moses, in unprecedented times, with a real threat to his life and those of 600,000 other Israelites as we know today, surrounded by fear and panic from the Israelites. And I love how he deals with this. You know, verse one, which we didn't get to read, and I hope you read later on, says he, he, he listens to God, you know. Verse one says, then the Lord said to Moses, they were in dialogue, you know, God, uh, Moses listened to God. He understood what was on God's heart. In verse 13, we're told that, um, you know, Moses told the Israelites to stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring. He said that with assurance because he knew the heart of God. You know, in verse 15, we're told that he cries out to God. You know, God says, why are you crying out to me? He cries out to God. He was real with God. You know, he hears from God again. In verse 16, he gets instructions on how to divide the sea and he steps out in obedience and witnesses an unprecedented response that had never happened in his history and his knowledge in an unprecedented situation. A miraculous God coming in to save and to bless his people. Friends, if you're not spending time with God in prayer and in his word, 
today trying to understand what is going on, I would say it points to a number of possibilities. One, you have it all figured out and you know it all and you know where to go. Or two, we don't really fully comprehend and agree with what the Bible says that all things were created through him, Jesus, and that he holds all things together. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. So the question I have for you, as I said, is what season are we in spiritually? What season are we in and what is God the Father doing in this season? So that was my first question to you. My second question to you, I just want to take a moment to ask you, what are you doing in response to the season we're in? See, I believe each and every one of us have been born for significance. I believe your time right here, right now, in Bedford or wherever you're watching this from, is not just a mere coincidence. I think you've been strategically placed to bring God's, to make a difference in God's kingdom and to bless the world around you. You know, we, the book of Ephesians 2 um, says that you and I are God's handiwork, are God's workmanship. He's created us in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do you know that God prepared you many, many years before you were born to make a difference in such times as this? We see this in Exodus 14, in verses 21. Moses stepped out, you know, and did as God had asked him, you know, lifting up his staff. And we see God demonstrate his power by keeping the armies of the Egyptians away, by parting the sea and, helping, um, and, and creating dry ground for the Israelites to move into safety. Folks, my, my personal view is that whenever God's people face unprecedented time, God demonstrates his power and reveals his glory in ways they had never seen before. But he, he, he likes to partner with people to do so. You know, so when I hear of the many things happening around us today and seeing how heaven's kingdom is breaking in in the last few months, when I hear about the number of people who would never venture near a church building but are now accessing online church, when I hear about the dramatic surge in, in sales of the Bible as people look for hope, when I see people watching out for their neighbors and serving and blessing those in isolation, my heart is so grateful. You know, but I also sense that we're going to see even more miraculous interventions and God's kingdom breakthrough than we have ever known or can comprehend. I believe we're going to see breakthroughs in the church that we've never known before, never seen before. We're going to see this outside of the church and outpouring of God's goodness even in times like this. And while I'm, I was appreciating God for all the good things we hear, despite the difficult situation, you know, I, I, I just felt God say, you know, to stop expecting the normal breakthroughs, for he is about to break out in unusual ways, and there is no set template for what he wants to do in this season. And I've been asking God and I've been saying, so God, what is it? What is it you're doing? And what's my role in that? What can I do? You know, you know, what should I do? What should I do? And I hope you're not putting yourself under such pressure. But in response, I just heard God say, son, that is the wrong question. The right question is, who are you meant to be? 
You know, are you going to be a son that gazes at his father and, goes, and does what he sees the father doing? Are you going to be a son that and steadily watches his father and goes where he sees his father going. You know, I was reminded of a story of a small town in Norway, um, which I can't pronounce. Um, um, you can look it up later on. But um, this little town hardly gets any sunlight because the town is surrounded um, uh, by, 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 by mountains. And so in the winter months, they could go um, up to six months in a year and not have sunlight, adequate sunlight. And so it used to be the case that the residents went up the hill to, cut, to get um, the winter sun for a few hours before coming down until some innovator, someone clever, decided to place giant mirrors on top of the hills surrounding the town center so they could reflect, uh, um, redirect sunlight into the middle of the town center. Now, the trick in this was that the mirror had to be adjusted to be at the right angle to, to be able to, to reflect the sunbeams and to, to move the, the rays towards the right direction. And as I was reflecting on this story earlier on, I was, I was just reminded that, you know, um, it's my response to all what's going on right now going to be that of a son who watches his father who has who's, who changes his heart, his his mind, his thinking. You know everything I have to to be in the same coordinate with my father to see what my father is doing because it's out of there that things come out. It's out of there I can mirror what I see my father doing. And so my question in, in finishing, guys, uh, today is: What season are we in, and what are you doing in response? to this season. God bless you as you think about this this week.